In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's not a victory Monday, but it was fucking close. I'm here with Ian Wright and Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you feeling, buddy? Um, let, let down by the play calling, but Arizona covering my bet doesn't make it as painful at night as it could have been. Ian, how are you feeling, buddy? Hold on, we're going to wait for all the people to give a shit about Jack's bets for this one. Oh, yep, it's not going to take a while. Nobody cares about your bets, Jack betting on other teams, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it was it was a tough one. Um, I think it just goes to show, you know, the defense may have been reading a little bit of their tea leaves a little bit too soon. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, the Browns played well on offense. At times, they just, they couldn't. We've always said it, the plays come down to three or four or five plays in the course of a game, and the Browns just couldn't make the one play to seal it. And if they... <laughs> They were actually bailed out and given a little bit of hope by the Chargers, just complete dumbassery on that final play. Like, why would you hand the ball off to Eckler, not just take a knee? Like, I, it made no sense to me why they actually handed that ball off. Give the ball to Herbert, take a couple steps back, take a knee. The Browns can't stop the clock. The fact that you handed the ball off just helped my fantasy team, which, again, nobody gives a shit about. I loved the play by the Browns' defense to drag Eckler into Absolutely. the end zone. Fair play to him. Because it's the only chance you have. It was smart because lots of teams just don't think about that sort of stuff. Eckler was trying to keep himself out on the Browns' defense and forcing him in. Yeah. All right, guys. Before we go deep into the podcast with the offense, defense, special teams, one quick word. Why did we lose this game today? Jack? Play calling. Ian? We beat ourselves. The play calling was a factor, but there was many more opportunities that it was just overall between coaching, special teams, offense, and defense, all four, all four facets at some point were responsible. You got to pick one reason. Thank you, Jack. I would say inexperience. Ooh. Can, can I say refing or you don't, you don't agree? You can say officiating. I it didn't help. Poor. But yeah, a lot of people online are saying whether it be the refing or not, the Browns lost it themselves, not the refs. So, uh, all right, let's get into the normal format. Straight in. Jack, what are you giving the offense out of 10? Um, mm, I'd like to go for a seven, um, but I know I can't. So... I think you've got to go an eight when you get 42 points. I, d I don't think you can go any lower. Ian? Yeah, it's definitely an eight. Um, and honestly, if they would have been able to move the ball more, more effectively on that last drive, I probably would have bumped them up. But I still got to take away, you know, it's, it's first and 10, three minutes to go. You have the lead and you go three plays, four yards, only take a minute 13 off and you have to punt. That's not a nine performance. That's an eight performance. But at the end of the day, the Browns still did have, what, 25 first downs, 532 yards of total offense. And what? They gave up one sack and no turnovers, right? Yeah, no turnovers. 
So eight. Yeah, I think eight. I think eight's a, a really fair number, and um, I thought everyone on the offense, maybe not Beckham. He he showed up at times, but not very often. But uh, I thought we'd. All the offensive people played very well today. I thought Beckham did well. Um, quite often, he's creating a lot of space that other players are then eating out of. Um, Rashard Higgins, yeah. <laughs> touchdown. Without a doubt. Um, I, I think one guy that deserves special praise is Hans. I think he actually played a he played a solid game. Yeah, he's not. You're not sitting there comparing him to Joe Thomas or anyone else. But when you, what you expect of a fourth offensive lineman on a roster is very, very, very little against one of the best edge rushers in the league. I, I was really happy with what he did. Jack, how many sacks did Joey Bosa have today? Uh, I'm going to guess zero. Zero. Yeah, he had zero sacks against Blake Hans and Jack Conklin for a little bit, and then we ended the game with James, James Hudson. So, yeah, the and- only guy on the Chargers that got a sack was Derwin James, and it was early, and it was more of a coverage sack. So I thought Hans did an incredible job. I mean, everyone was talking about Bosa was going to come in here and pad his stats and all this other stuff. <laughs> No sacks. And we were, had some we were missing both tackles and we're trying to run the ball. Well, we're running through our power, though. Our power in running comes through the guards, through Batonio and Treader, or Batonio and Teller. That's, I mean, if you look, every successful running play we have has something to do with Joel Batonio, oh, yeah. either to the left or to the right. So your, your ends, in this case, your offensive tackle's job was literally to take their ends and shove them nine, nine yards upfield and then create the running lanes. The Chargers at one point, did you know, they switched to a bare front. They went to a five-man front because they, kept, they were just getting gouged in four-man fronts. So they said, all right, we're going to put two fat guys in here. We're going to put two of our ends, open them out wide, and we're going to say, now, what are you going to do? Um, guys, who are we going to give the game ball to uh, on the offense side? I'm going to give it to Njuku. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, either Njuku or Chubb and just Njuku making the plays he did, or as people say, Njoku, Unjoku, David, Njoku, whatever you want to say. Chief. The um, Chief. It, it, yeah, the Chief. It was a great game for him. I thought there was a great game plan, you know, up front in the first quarter there to get him involved. This is, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the play calling and stuff like that, but this is where I think you could have used somebody like David Njoku on that drive where we went three, three and out. Because in this offense, we have a ton of high completion percentage throws. David Njoku is the beneficiary of many of these. Now, he made the tough tough catch across the middle, which he took to the house because of one of the worst tackling uh, performances I've ever seen. But a screen, something in, something quick, a hitch route, maybe a jerk route on the inside – this is where you can use a guy like David Njoku. He's so big. He has such a large frame. All Baker has to do is once Njoku gets the box out at five, six yards, put it on him. His hands this year have been a lot better. So, yeah, I'd say Njoku by far game ball for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that play on first down should have been a play action pass straight to like you and Njoku. Um, I know we mentioned Hooper before the show, but the, the way Njoku was playing, that, that play, because everyone knew a run was coming, a play action pass straight to David Njoku. That, that then, hey, gets you up to the 25, 30-yard line. Then you're yeah. in a great position is, to even just run the clock out. I would love to know what the analytics are when you gain, say, four or five, down, five yards on first down. So at the end of the day, the entire drive gets triggered or started based on that first play. 
So that's where you have something creative. Hell, they could have gone back to that two-point conversion play with Hooper if they really wanted to on one of them little inside underneath shovel passes. I mean, these are the type of plays that you build into the offense where you say, listen, I need to complete this pass. I need the clock to get going, but I also need to get, you know, that West Coast RPO type of offense where I can get three, four yards. And all of a sudden, if Njoku breaks a tackle, he stretches out for six, seven yards. Now I'm at second and three, second and four. And no matter what point in the game, when my team is second and three, second and four, the opportunities are endless in terms of what plays I can run. Here we go, guys. Keep an eye on the 15 minute clock, but quite and we're going to be a little longer today. A bit of a controversial one. Let's talk Baker Mayfield. Is he the Browns quarterback for the future? Ian. Yeah, I think, I think he is your franchise guy. The, the question is going to become, what's he worth? Because, I mean, even today, he's 72% completion, um, you know, threw for 305 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I thought Baker Mayfield managed the game. Anytime the offense got the ball, barring one drive in the fourth quarter, I mean, Baker was pretty efficient. Uh, I mean, nothing I, – I know all week it was always oh, Baker Mayfield's shoulder falling off and all this other stuff. You know, he's out there throwing blocks and sprinting down the sidelines and stuff. I think – it's bothering him, but I don't think it's all that detrimental. And so, yeah, I would say he's the guy, but if you're telling me he gets as much as like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes or something like that, that's a different story. Do you think he's going to get an extension? Yeah, I do. I do. And the, the thing is, is we're going to need Baker. If he gets that number to elevate into what he needs to be at that point, like, you know, we're going into a drive where we have a you know a minute and a half and our first three plays get like 12 yards. Like you get the, you give the ball to Rogers. The first play is generally a 35 yard dig route to, you know, Devonte Adams. That's the difference between 40 million and say 25, 30 million. Like that's the difference because we're not completing that pass. We're not getting started the first play 30 yards. And now we're moving. Last question in, do you think Baker, we can win a, a super bowl with Baker Mayfield? Yes. Yeah, I think if I've seen Matt Ryan get to a Super Bowl, I've seen Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl by getting hot. I mean, I get it. There's a defensive element, but I'm not going back to the Trent Dilfer days. But yeah, at the end of the day, yes, the answer is yes. Jack, your turn. Baker Mayfield? I, I think he will get paid. Should he get paid? Uh, I, I genuinely don't think you put yourselves in the best position to win year out, year in, year out with him getting paid because the problem you get is he gets Patrick Mahomes money. You need him to be equally good as Patrick Mahomes to have a shot of winning that division. You can say how oh, the roster around him might be better, but the issue is when you pay him, you have to take money out of the O-line, take money out of the defense because you're not going to have a person like Clowney opposite Miles. You're going to have Tack McKinley would be your second edge. Um, you just have to devalue the wide receiver and hey, they're not playing great, but you're going to have a lot less talent there. You're going to have less talent at tight end. Um, you're going to lose a lot of the quality around him. So, hey, we've got the most talented and deep roster in the NFL and Baker's with that. Now you've got to say, hey, we're actually going to shift the balance of the roster and it's going to be about Baker and then he has to carry the roster. That's the point where I really question it. Um, hey, there was a name went back on the market. Um, Russell Wilson. Would I rather have Russell Wilson? Hey, if you'd offered me Russell Wilson rather than Baker Mayfield, which was the Dorsey offer, 
I'd have taken Russ. Um, I, I think you have to seriously consider the options out there because you have to put your franchise on him. He has to carry the team. And I don't feel confident because he can do it. Week to week, he can do it. Consistently, no, he can't do it. And that's been the thing. He just hung he 42 points with backup tackles. Yeah, yeah. Blake Hans is his left tackle. That's that's the guy you need him to be where I can get I can get productivity. I'm not saying from a long haul. I'm not saying that you find undrafted free agents and make them left tackles all day long. Obviously, Callahan has a lot to do with that. Scheme has a lot to do with that. You know, don't ask Coach Nagy, but if you notice, there was some running backs coming over to chip him and stuff like that. But yeah, that's the thing is, to Jack's point, you're going to have to design a team with less toys. That's kind of the theory is now I have less tools to build the project. Yeah, because Kareem Hunt's got to go. If you want to pay Baker, uh, Teller or Batonio's got to go. You're going to lose a lot of pieces. That O-line's not as good, so the running game won't be as good. So then it's it's more passing, and but that's Baker got to carry that. So you look at Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won a ring while he was on a rookie contract. Once he got paid, different story. Um, lots of these guys. Hey, Baker was fully capable of doing it on a rookie deal. Hey, part of the roster building, another mess of coaching is why it didn't happen. Can he do it on a veteran deal? I, I don't know. I think he does get paid, but hey, if, if I can find a deal where I give up a first and Baker Mayfield and add Russell Wilson, I'm not saying Baker goes to the Seahawks, but I'm just saying in a round robin, I, I'm doing that deal because I think he just gives us a better shot. We win a ring. I don't think anyone in Cleveland cares. And then we can go find our franchise um, QB. But Russell Wilson's got several years in him. And that is a talented, talented dude that has never had a good O-line. This isn't a Russell Wilson podcast, but I will say the Browns, Paul, breaking news. The Browns have set an NFL record for the first time, according to Jake Trotter, for the first time in NFL history, including the playoffs. The Browns are the first team to lose when scoring 40 plus points with 500 yards or more with zero turnovers. Never been done in the NFL history. So today, when you watch that game, you just witnessed NFL history. Um. Jack, last question, mate. Do you think the Browns could win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield? I, th- I think they could, but I don't think they're going to consistently even get to the playoffs with him. If you told me oh, he get, gets a four-year deal, I don't think we get to the playoffs all four of those years. Putting the question out there, very hot topic on Twitter tonight, so uh be good to, to, to talk about it. My one point on Baker Mayfield is he wasn't RGMs and managers quarterback of choice. I just wonder. I'd, I'd push back yeah, on that because he absolutely Andrew Berry and the analytics was, were hundred percent behind picking him. Obviously, he's not directly tied to him because he wasn't the one making the pick. But Andrew Berry was hundred percent on board. He was with the Browns. Yeah, Andrew Berry was the vice president of player personnel. Okay. But no, no, no. Paul's point is right. It's easier for him to move on than he's he's not John Dorsey who's tied himself to it. So Paul's point is right, but he definitely wanted Baker. Um, Yeah, I think Dorsey valued his input in that decision-making process. And to be fair, you went and got a coach who fits what Baker can do, right? So let's be honest, Stefanski, you know, if you gave Stefanski a, you know, a Daniel Jones or something like that, where accuracy is of an issue, you know, Stefanski's 
system is play action, being able to sell that accuracy within the pocket, you know, slight mobility, but you don't want a Lamar Jackson guy running around. So I think the marriage between the front office and the players right now is why we're seeing success. The problem I think we're having, and, you know, we'll slide a little bit onto this defensive side. I think they've just made so many roster changes that when you add that and injuries, there's just communication breakdowns all over that field. Well, look, hopefully our listeners have really enjoyed the deep chat we've had today. Let's move on to the other side of the ball. Unless anyone else got any other things to talk about offense, the defense. Two? Come on, Ian. What did, they, what did they do? We got some sacks. We did? I, I think you can't be too harsh on them because they lost all the DBs. You did? How many, intercept, how many interceptions did uh, Justin Herbert throw? Zero. No, but we got we got two sacks. We got two sacks. Garrett had one. Malik McDowell had one, and we had uh, the one fumble recovery that Greedy forced, and that was kind of light. But yeah, I mean the defense had the one turnover. But in the same sense, we're going to talk about the offense. The defense gave up 493 yards, and they gave up three third downs, or three fourth three fourth downs, and the fourth one was because of a penalty. Whether or not it was a penalty or not, they still got the first down. So there was four fourth downs converted, 493 yards. And this was after what the, how many, what did the, what was the time of possession in the first half? Wasn't it like 24 to six? It was something insane when it comes to the, the, and then it ended 36, 23. So, I mean, the defense just didn't do anything. Look. We got, we're doing more than, we got two. sacks. We got two sacks and a fumble and gave up 49 points and blew a 10 point, blew a double digit lead twice in the second half. I, I want to go with the four. Jack, what, the reason I want to go with the four is they didn't play well, but I think they were really, really hurt by injuries. Um, they just this lost is a handicap. So, yeah, it, it, because you can't expect once you, you've lost basically all of your corners to uh, put up a fight against a, a passing team. Um, and I, I think it's something where the Browns need to look at. Hey, we need to be that deep. Keenan Allen's a dude that runs out of the slot and is destroying us and tearing us apart. We don't have the quality that they have at wide receiver. And um, it really, really goes to show. You say that though, Jack, that we've got um, Ward, Wemfit, Newsom, Greedy, Hill. They're all The top good, three guys solid. all have the Wemfit asterisk. Ward when fit, Newsom when fit, Greedy when fit. I thought Greedy played really well. I I liked Greedy today. No, no, he was your best corner out there today. My point was more on the wide. I we need more wide receiver. We need at least two, ideally three guys that you really count on wide receiver. And I know lots of people like Donovan Peoples Jones. They like Schwartz, but these guys are the wild cards you have further down. We we need that being delivered. Um, and uh, no, uh, hey, you lose a load of corners, you're going to struggle. Um, I'm, I'm not too concerned though. Um, I think, do you think how big of an impact do you think was Clowney not playing? Uh, I don't know. I thought attacked it. Okay. But I thought he did. Okay. I'll be curious. Cause when you look at the stat sheet, you don't see tax name. I think he had one hit, but ultimately there was a lot of attention being paid on that left side. So people want to talk. I know miles Garrett's going to get the whole crush. Like, Oh, he only had one sack, blah, blah, only one sack, by the way. 
but the number of times you saw a chip, a tight end, all loaded on that side, it, it was quite astronomical. And I think the chargers were the beneficiaries of not having to really worry about. It. And sometimes the Browns tried to flip Garrett onto that right tackle. Remember the one that was the turnstile you guys talked about in the pregame. And I think he was effective, but in the same sense, the chargers knew that because every time uh, Garrett got pressure on the right is I think when Herbert leaked out and ran the ball. So I think the Chargers were well aware that there was a bad matchup between their right tackle and Miles Garrett. But I mean, Garrett's a guy, he batted the pass down, but it's just, we're not, we're not disciplined in our run, in our run gaps. We are our linebackers. Listen, I get JOK is a guy that people love, but on that touchdown run by Herbert, I don't know what he was looking at. He's not taking great angles. He definitely regressed in this game compared to where he was at before. I think he makes a couple fast plays where he comes up and, you know, makes a big hit, but he was out of position quite a bit of time today. So I, this is a good offense. Like the chargers is going to exploit these guys like this. And I think it happened today on all sides of the ball. And I just didn't see anything from the defense. Yes. Injuries, but injuries are part of the game too. I'm going with my two. I'm staying true to my two. Uh, guys, what's going on in the safety room? You. John Johnson. Uh, Delpit Jack, didn't have a good game. Oh, no. John Johnson, Delpit. It was, it was a both, both of them. Show. Both of them. And Ronnie, to be honest, Ronnie Harrison as well. Ronnie Harrison had a couple good plays in the run, but in the past game, shredded like cheese. And it is, it's fascinating because John Johnson has been so good for the last few years. And I genuinely, I, I don't know enough about scheme and little bits to go, are they just asking him to do something different than what he did in uh, the Rams? Because it's not working, um, which is gutting because they made the right move signing him. He had been phenomenal. I think the biggest difference in scheme with, because remember Staley was his D coordinator. Staley runs a lot of cover three. Um, with Ramsey, though, he let Ramsey man up on one side, which meant that Johnson really was only responsible for maybe two-thirds of the field um, in terms of how he played free safety. Um, but the communication we talked about a little bit is the biggest issue they're having in the back. You know, the, the Trent Green and uh, Kevin Harlan pointed out on the second touchdown to Mike Williams, the deep one, um, you noticed that they ran a dig route from the left side and both the corner and John Johnson fell off into the deep third on the right-hand side. The problem was there was nobody there. So Johnson was anticipating a corner route because Mike Williams lined up in the slot. So when Williams comes off, Johnson's think he's going to run a corner out, but instead he comes in behind, over top of the dig route. So the dig routes underneath Ronnie Harrison steps down on the dig route. Johnson doesn't follow Williams through the zone because when Williams comes up to the point, the corner drops off to his zone to the side. So as Williams turns it up on the deep post, Johnson turns into the opposite third, Ronnie Harrison steps forward, bada bing, bada boom. That's something that needs to be ironed out. That is something that on the fly, you need to communicate. That is something, there needs to be a call for that. There needs to be something where, you know, how often do we see interceptions where a safety or a corner will drop off in zone coverage and, oh, well, who the hell was the quarterback looking at? Well, no, they made the right read and they dropped back into zone and ended up making the interception. And Delpit on the one thought he had, or AJ Green thought he had help over top. Delpit pinches, pinches up on the tight end. Boom, gets hit over. Actually, it might have been Keenan Allen, but whoever was in that slot, they slide in to pick this. He thinks he has help over top. Two long touchdowns. All right, guys. Well, I'm going four out of ten. 
So we we uh, arriving at a three, or am I getting vetoed? We're putting a four with an we'll be, asterisk for injury, and you're going to have to yeah, we're putting a it. handicapped four. To, to show that we love Ian, we're going to go with a three. Boo. Yes. Favoritism. It was an emotional three, though, Jack. I just want to stress, if if I was being tough, it was a four. But just to keep Ian on the podcast for next week, we're going to be we're going to be uh, diplomatic and go with a three. Are oh, you going to need him next week? So I'm not here. I'm at a wedding it's and there's no phone signal. It's disgraceful. My contract has been extended for a week. Yeah. All right, specials. Jack, did I, I, I could almost picture you sitting there twitching every time Anthony Schwartz runs the ball out of the end zone. Actually, guys, I want to say something. Big shout out to undrafted free agent AJ Green. Yeah. I, hey, we saw him big time action and boy. The Chargers knew he was out there. I'd be curious how many times he was targeted because it was quite a few. You heard his names often. And who, who would we give the defense ball to? Greedy? I mean, is there really anybody else? I mean, I would say either. Yeah. I mean, he he forced the fumble, led the team in tackles. Sure. Uh, I don't really know if there is one, to be honest. What about Mc, McDowell? No, I know he had a sack. One sack, but yeah, I mean, he he plays he plays fine. I mean, for what you're asking him to do, there you go. I mean, I, I think Malik McDowell is the least of your problems. All right, cool. I'd give the ball boy to Greedy. Fair there play to Greedy. Fought hard for it. Okay, special teams. I, Ian, what are you going to give it at 10? Actually, I think the specials did all right. Um, I think the real grade here is a seven, but I would say that I'm going to give them the eight only because we didn't miss a kick. I thought that, you know, the, the one thing I wished is I was hopeful that after the Browns went three and out, I was hopeful that Gillen was going to just uncork one and hit about a 60 yarder. And instead he only hit it 42 and the uh, Chargers started with the ball on our side of the field. So I would say an eight, but I think the special teams unit is playing much better. Their kick coverage has been pretty good. Um, Larry Roundtree was just getting bottled up every time he stupidly tried to run the ball out. Um, I mean, he ended up having, I think he averaged like 15 yards. I don't think they had one return get out past the 20, if I'm not mistaken. So great job on kick coverage. Um, the only knock I think is I really would have liked Gillen to just lay into one, but another great game by our guy, Chase McLaughlin. Four out of four extra points and two field goals, so six for six. Jack? Yeah, no, I, I think an eight's fair. I don't think you can go over eight unless you're forcing a fumble or a turnover in some way. Um, I just don't, I don't think you've got to reserve the nine and tens for those. Um, for me, the punt doesn't bother me too much because, quite frankly, if you get an extra 10 yards, it doesn't matter. Um, that's not changing the outcome of the game for me. So, um, no, it is what it is. It's Nate. Hey, we, we made all the key stuff. Um, yes, I would not like to see it coming out the end zone so often, but I thought the, the um, Chargers were really clever. They were kicking it to about five yards outside the end zone to sort of force that return. But then the bizarre thing is, because you think, hey, actually, they've cracked it here. It's a smart thing to do. Put it just outside the end zone and force the return. Then they were running out. <laughs> It was like when you think that they've got an edge and they're exploiting it, they're also doing the same stupid thing themselves. So it was bizarre from that aspect. Jack, I, this didn't happen in our game, but I would have loved to seen your reaction. So in the Bears Raiders game, 
the Raiders punter punted the ball. The player from the Bears fielded the punt five yards into the end zone and ran it out. I have never in my life seen somebody feel the punt in the end zone and run it out. It happened in the Bears game. What a moron. <laughs> I couldn't um, believe it. How many yards did he get in? Not many, like eight. I think he got to about the eight-yard line. <clears throat> I would love to have proved him wrong to Jack and got like a touchdown. That would be amazing. Hey, two, two to one. Yeah. Yeah. Twice as likely to uh, turn the ball over and get the <coughs> um, Guys, really addressing to what people are saying on Twitter at the moment. A lot of hate for Jamie uh, Gillen, friend of the show, Scottish Hammer. Scottish Hammer. They're saying his growth, his gross punting average is 29th in the league. Um, yeah, not um, not getting a lot of love on Twitter at the moment. A lot of people, even in the in even in the hippodrome, people are saying, "Is it time to move on from Scottish Hammer?" Okay. For me, he's struggled since his rookie year. Um, and the thing is, we've got to remember, he's very, very unlikely to be in next year. That's purely because the RFA tenders 2.4 million. Are we going to spend 2.4 million on a punter? Probably not. Could he negotiate a discount on that? Hey, you never know. But they're certainly bringing in legit competition because they don't plan for him to be here after this season. So he might see out the year. Who knows? Someone might come up because teams are always cutting and cycling through punters. But um, yeah, hey, I'd never pay a punter anyway. So Yeah, though, as the resident expert here on the punters, um, the one that annoyed me the most the first punt he had um it was the fit he kicked it he was trying to pin him inside the 20 so he hit it i think it was ended up being a net of 30 but he hit a 53 yard punt anthony schwartz is a speed guy right so he's a speed guy his job is to run fast for those that don't know with speed his job is to run to the end zone and turn around right because the ball is going to be coming towards him he runs and keeps his back to the ball and it goes into the end zone. That ball should have been down. Anthony Schwartz has enough speed with that amount of hang time where he should have run down and fielded the punt inside the five. I, you can't blame a punter because the special teams group didn't down a punt that should have been down inside the five. You know, the second one I think was a short one. I think he only hit 40. And like I said, the other one was, you know, should have been a little bit longer, but if you think that Jamie Gillen is the problem with this team, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's really not. He, he didn't punt the entire first half. So there's far bigger issues than the punter at this point. The biggest issue he had this season was dropping the ball in the Kansas City game. All right, guys. So we're going to say an eight, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think the big thing, and we'll end on this, Paul, I'm going to steal your thunder here. Let's just group the officiating and the head coach or the managerial, as we call it, into one. Because – Jack, do you want to talk a little bit about the officiating? I mean, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because to the victors go the sorrows. If you're blaming the officiating, your team isn't good enough. Um, yeah, it was an awful call. And B, I don't care. Um, play better. You, you're getting no sympathy for me. If, if you're saying the officiating is the reason we lost, then go back and rewatch the game because you're not watching the same game that the rest of the world's watching. The call's horrendous. Who cares? Play better. Um, There's no other way to look at it. I I agree. I'm. There are some calls that are just 
pretty egregious. And I think the fourth down pass interference isn't one of those egregious. And if you don't believe me, go check Colin Cowherd's Twitter. He even comes out and says an official should be suspended for that. And I think the league does need to look and say, listen, because we all know the Browns are going to get the letter at some point this week saying, we're sorry we missed this. That's all great. But at the end of the day, officials have to be held accountable for their errors. And yes, we, I'm sure Browns, I, I know Browns Twitter well enough to know the Browns Twitter are going to find at least five plays that Miles Garrett got choked, slammed, face mask. I saw GV artwork pulling out there where he had his entire face mask dragged to the ground. That happens to Miles Garrett every single game. It happens to him every game. I, I get it. Even when the Vikings scored seven points, even when the Bears, God knows what, how many, what the, the six points they had. There are going to be these calls every single game. There are going to be ones. The NFL right now is at it. I was actually worried for a while that the Guyton guy was going to get um, Greedy Williams to get the only taunting penalty. And I'm like, wait a minute now. You don't get to like point to the ball and start the fire right in front of the official. So I'm glad at least they got that one figured out. Yes, I think there was probably a lot of contact on the Rashard Higgins second and 10 play in the controversial drive. Yes, you could probably call holding. You could probably call... Yeah, I mean, well, the one, yeah, you're right. The guy fell on Njoku's legs. That, that for me, is the, the most egregious the Hail call. Mary. That was pretty bad. I mean, you watched a guy literally take down two players, and when you start rolling around on the ground, people start looking down instead of looking up for the ball. Yes. But in the same sense, was it last week we kind of got away with something on Thielen when he was trying to come back for the ball that Kirk Cousins threw? So this type of shit's going to happen. It still doesn't absolve. Stefanski, I think this is probably a game that rests about 85% on his shoulders because I thought the team did enough to win. He, he aired. And I think we've talked about a little bit more um, in the offensive side, but not running some sort of high, high percentage play on first down. You have to have confidence that a guy at that point at 70 plus percent accuracy is going to complete a pass on some sort of a simple route to get positive yardage. Getting Kareem Hunt stuffed on first down did not help. And I thought some of the plays he had, I just didn't see enough creativity to get guys open. And now we're going to have this big shifting of wars. Odell was allegedly targeted too much last week. And now he gets what, two, three targets this week. And in a couple cases, probably should have had a couple more. So they got to figure out Get getting Odell involved earlier, whether it's a quick bubble screen, whether it's a hitch route, whether it's one of those. I mean, that back shoulder one he had for his first catch, you could run that at any time you want. And Stefanski's got to get better. I say I'm giving him a D for this game. D dog. Yeah, and the, the issue you're about to come into is obviously you're gonna have basically the the set we're gonna go with is two tight ends, uh OBJ Landry and one of the two running backs. And the issue you've got there is you've got OBJ, that whether it's OBJ, uh, OBJ's fault, Stefanski's fault, Baker's fault, all three's fault, that's an issue. Then you've got the issue, uh, problems where you can get the ball to Landry, but is it going to get us the yards, the conversions and the stuff down the field enough to score these 30-plus points a game we want? The problem's going to come, we're going to start sacrificing some of these other guys, whether it's in Joku's plays, whether it's... Um, other players' plays that were moving the ball today and go in another direction. And that that's almost where I fear um, we need to be more creative, um, which is there's good stuff. Hey, there's fourth down aggression. There's lots of things I do like, um, but we need to be more bold. That ball needs to go in the air. And if 
Stefanski doesn't have confidence on Baker to throw first down there, then why are we going to pay him 45 million? Because Stefanski obviously doesn't believe in him. Yeah. And by the way, just breaking news, Jake Trotter, Browns linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa suffered a throat contusion and was taken to a local hospital as precaution for further evaluation. It's the same thing with Burrow. I didn't know you could have throat contusions. And now we have two of them in back-to-back games in terms of that. So hopefully, you know, if anybody, I thought Treader might be the one with the throat contusion after getting choked by the D lineman, but it looks like JOK is going to the hospital for that. So hopefully that, uh, that is something that is not serious. All right, guys, look, it was a great game. Not the result we wanted next week. Cardinals, another massive game for the Browns. We're sitting two and three. And Cardinals, we've still got time to get to the three, and, three and two. Cardinals is it three? Oh, great! But yeah, we're three and one. We're three and two. Don't, don't three fear two. the Cardinals. They might be undefeated, but they're not great. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't go into that game and try win. Um, yes, there's been past issues with the Browns and mobile quarterbacks, um, but you hit him once, and he struggled. As soon as they got him, and uh, it was Bosa that got him um, late on in the game, I was seriously concerned about my bet. Um, so all you need to do is hit Kyler Murray once. Um, the dude does not take hits very well. Um, so, yeah, just lay one it's in, mini. and uh, it should be fine. Because the minute you take away his run and other stuff, there's not much there. But that, that is another I think team. Be nice to get back to first energy. You have a massive issue with in lack of corners because they have an incredibly deep wide receiver room. AJ Green's the most targeted wide receiver, and he, he is doing good work. Um, you've got Kirk, you've got Hopkins, um, Rondell Moore. Um, that that is the depth that you need, and that's where the Browns have got to get to. All right, guys, it was a painful loss. But we will be back. Paul, we'd be remiss if we make it through this podcast without asking you, um, now that the world has seen your attempt at drinking a shot of scotch whiskey, specifically a Balvini double woods, Paul, what do you have to say for yourself? Look, I went into the shot not knowing the history behind it. And it hurt, you know, it went down the wrong hole. It came up. I was dazed for about two or three minutes. I thought I was going to throw up, you know, I was in a bad place. But the main thing that came back is I got back on that horse. I had a shot straight afterwards and I'm back in the game again. Well done. Apology accepted. Yeah, I'll just just say some things, unless Jack wants anything else more about um any of the uh, game today was had a great day out in uh, London today, NFL London jets versus the Falcons. It kind of came down to the last kick of the game, even though the Falcons already won it, but there was a bit of hope for the jets. Um, but yeah, great, great effort by NFL UK. Just need to work on the alcohol. No booze tailgating is a no, no announcement in terms of international games. The final three cities for NFL Germany are due to be announced on Tuesday, um, which could be as early as a game next year. The two games in London are still safe. The game in Mexico is still safe, but we're going to add another international game. So uh, the final three cities will be announced on Tuesday. So exciting times there. The, the Browns could be off to Germany. 
That would be great. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. All right, guys. As we say in Germany, go Browns. <laughs> go Browns. Go Browns. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> <laughs>